and welcome to the Sports Blitz. Coming up today, we look back at all of the soccer from the weekend as Liverpool somehow managed to lose a Premier League game, our Clasico surprises, and Leeds find out you're actually allowed to score more than one goal per game. Who would have known? Me and Josh compare two stunning goals from the opening weekend of MLS, the world's most audacious chip or the 95th minute free kick spectacular. Plus, Romo has money, Nuno to Atleti, and Dalton leading the Patriots at opening up on Tuesday's Sports Blitz. Okay, one co-presenter with me at the moment. Hello, Josh. Hi there, Alex. How are you? Yeah, I'm good, thank you. It's been a it's been an okay weekend. Good football this weekend. It has, yeah. It's uh, it's been actually a really good week to be a football yeah. fan and leading into some actually really good games uh, in the week. So yeah, yeah uh, good period. And I managed to not ruin everything whilst commentating on Varsity um, on Sunday. So congratulations. Very good. Will will be joining us later on. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see what he thought of everything that's happened. Well, I'm sure he has many opinions on the soccer. Uh, absolutely, being you know the avid Premier League fan that he is. Yeah, I don't know anyone who obsesses more about football than he does. I really don't. It makes me feel embarrassed at times of my own football knowledge. Yeah, absolutely. This podcast is dropping on March 3rd, 2020. Remember that the Sports Blitz can be found on Anchor.fm, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Pocket Cast, Breaker and Radio Public. And remember we have a radio version of the show on University Radio York, which returns next Tuesday for the final time this term at 6pm. OK, let's go into the main story today and it's the incidents in the Bundesliga over the weekend, starting with the game between Hoffenheim and Bayern Munich. The match finished 6-0 in Bayern Munich's favour, but that's not what the game's going to be remembered for. It's going to be remembered for the banners against Hoffenheim president Dietmar Hopp. It is at this point where I'm going to shamelessly plug the fact that I've just written a news article on the subject explaining why all of this um, stuff is happening in the Bundesliga and how the Bundesliga have responded. So let's start with the background to this because sure. Dietmar Hopp has a majority control of Hoffenheim, which directly goes against the 50 plus 1 rule, the rule that the members of the club, the regular fans like you and I, have the majority control of all votes. Sure. So this is something that is really important in German football, and it's something that the German FA have allowed Hopp to step over for, or hop over, for multiple reasons that they would have to explain, because I can't. Mm -hmm. So... That led originally to Borussia Dortmund fans being not pleasant to Hop, if I remember correctly. And so yeah. the whole fan base, not the ones who instigated whatever happened, but the whole fan base being banned from travelling to Hoffenheim matches for the next two years. And that's when it overflowed because there was a lot of support, not only for the message that, Hoff, that the Dortmund fans were delivering, but also in solidarity with the Dortmund supporters, which led to the Bayern Munich fans unveiling the spanner in the second half of the game that was, we'll say, not so pleasant to Dimar Hopp's mother. Uh, that's yeah. coming from Steelcast, the podcast, which is something I would recommend listening to if you like German football. But So they, they get a warning, then the banner comes out again, the game is stopped, the Bayern players go over to the fans and urge them to take the banner down. And then the game is resumed, but in an act of protest, the Bayern and Hoffenheim players just pass it between each other like a casual kickabout sort of thing. We um we play football on a Wednesday night and um, whilst we're waiting for everyone to show up, we just kind of pass between everyone. It was exactly like that. Yeah. But in a big stadium during the middle of a Bundesliga match. Yeah, no, it's... The whole thing is... I think it's quite characteristic of German football, actually. Uh, I do... Think that the like say the fifty plus one rule it keeps 
the club's sort of intact with the fans, so to speak, as yeah. in, in touch. It's something that I think is, personally, I think mm. it's very good for German football. Mm. I think it's a fantastic idea. I wish more countries adopted the 50 plus yeah. one rule. It's a, no, I'd agree with but that. But I wouldn't go as far as attacking someone's mother over it. Let, let, let's, mm. let's put it into perspective. As much yeah. as Demar Hart might not be great for football, if you believe that, He's not a war criminal. No, no, he's not. It's... His crimes against football are far less than crimes against actual or actual crimes. No, I was going to say, I, I understand uh, the vague anger because it's sort of disrupting the structure of German football, which has actually produced a very, very healthy league in German yeah, football. Yeah, absolutely. You know, the fan experience in Germany is one of the best, if not the best in the world. Yeah. You know, look at ticket prices, the atmospheres at games, X, Y, and Z. It's brilliant. And I wish the Premier League and other leagues around the world would copy it because they've got something that works. Yeah, However, absolutely. if you look at what he's actually done, it's, yes, it is sort of undermining what is really good about German football, but it's not, it's not malicious. It's not... Mm. Uh, and I do, I do think this is a step too far. And I also think the protest takes it in a direction it didn't need to go. Yeah. My, my issue with this as well is um, we're recording this on Monday. There's something trending in the UK. We won't get into it because it's politics-based. Mm -hmm. But um, if, it involves a big British bank. If you, um, so you, you might know what I'm talking about already. But you don't bring people over to your point of view by doing stuff like this. No, you don't. And it's sort of been mirrored in the um, political news recently. And for me, it's mirrored in this because you don't you don't seem like the reasonable party in this unveiling banners like that. No, absolutely. And uh, I like to say it almost the way they've gone about protesting, and they could have done it so so much better and more tactfully than you almost delegitimize your message. Yeah, because absolutely. Because then you say, well, if the people are protesting like this and they're acting like this, and you know they've attacked uh, hop like this, then how legitimate can the message be because yeah it can't be reasonable exactly so uh, they had all the moral high ground as well so now yeah. you've completely delegitimized that so it's it's just bizarre i don't understand why they've gone about it like this it seems completely counterintuitive truth be told yeah absolutely and then we move on to sunday's game between union berlin and wolfsburg and just after berlin had taken the lead they unveiled the banner that had hop in the sights of a gun which again i believe that's what it is anyway mm -hmm. that's what it looked like to you wasn't it it is yeah, yeah. well i think to, to most again, reasonable people looking at that that's what it looks I, like. I, I i'll i'll be honest i'm going to be a bit more opinionated than i am in my news article i don't like the guy in terms of what he's done in German football, I don't like the removal of the 50 plus one rule or the weakening of it, but I don't want the guy dead. No, uh, absolutely. And, uh, you know, as I was saying earlier, it just feeds into this. The, it's going about it all the wrong way. Yeah, absolutely. So you you've got the moral high ground. It's not, you know, I don't particularly agree with the idea of removing or, like you say, weakening this rule. It's it's great to see clubs in German football being really in sort of touch with the fans because the experience is a lot better. But, the way you've gone about protesting this completely, you know, removes any sort of legitimacy you have. And then when you try and make your case, well, people will obviously turn around and say, well, you've got people in the sight of a gun here or you said offensive things yeah, about their mother absolutely. for crime's sake. It's ridiculous. Yeah. Let's talk about the ultras some more, though, because they've got a very important role in German football. As you said, the atmosphere is one of the reasons why German football yeah. is so good. It makes German football as unique and entertaining as it is. And yet the ultras have definitely gone too far here. Yeah, no, they have. I think it's a weird line to balance because they bring something to German football that we don't see 
uh, in England, you know, the closest we've got is probably Palace, and I don't think that compares at all. Yeah, if you've looked no, like, you doesn't. know, uh, the Sunday sections at uh, Munich, Dort- Dortmund is pretty much the highlights yeah. uh, and the yellow wall, but the weird one is the, the, the atmosphere and the character they bring to games because of their sort of vociferous support makes it what it is, but then how do you temper that? without being heavy-handed. Mm. But then you have to temper I it think because then things spill over like this. This, so this goes into role? my next yeah. question and it's going to be my answer. How should Bundesliga deal with this and what should change? I think they need to sit down and talk. Mm. They, they need to improve communication because the ultras are important. They make German football better. Yes. But they do go over the line at times and this, especially the whole shooting sort of image of Demar Hop is completely unacceptable. It goes far too far. And um, so therefore there needs to be better communication. I think the original punishment of banning all Borussia Dortmund fans from Hoffenheim for two years was completely unacceptable that as was, well. As, that was... They, not... they were always going to get this when they did that. And again, it's not acceptable, but they must have known that's the risk they were running. Yeah, no. Um, I think the whole... Ban- that's ridiculous frankly yeah it's a weird one i think what i was saying with regards to the 50 plus one rule the fact it does keep fans so in touch with the clubs is the reason why i think your solution is so appropriate mm. yeah. just open those lines of communication it's already very good with fans in the bundesliga and the clubs yeah, absolutely. so it's not like it's a massive stretch like it is i think with a lot of the top premier league clubs where the fans are viewed as consumers not not fans and it's mm. it's pretty horrific the bundesliga doesn't have that problem so like you say open those lines of communication have you know, representatives from the ultras or how they do it, you know, do that. And then you can get something substantive done. Yeah, absolutely. The, the real risk here is being so heavy-handed, yeah. like some of the responses have been to the Dortmund fans. And yeah. then once you do that, once you're heavy-handed as a club or as an organisation, then you get a heavy-handed response. Because, yeah, of course, that's how things escalate. So just subsiding everything, bit of communication, let's all calm down a bit. Yeah, absolutely. And I would also say that two German football fans that you probably want to be more mad with the German FA than you want to with Dima Hopp. Absolutely. He's more a symptom of this problem with the 50 plus one rules weakening. Yeah. And um, yeah, like I said, I want to see it stay in place, but your anger shouldn't really be at Hop for that. Let's go into a weekend soccer review then. Let's review some of the other big games. And we're going to start at a place I don't think any of us expect to start. No. Vicarage Road, Watford 3, Liverpool 0. And I just want to um, play a few clips from our A Beautiful pre-game that um, show just how fantastically wrong we can be. Okay, Watford taking on Liverpool in the 5.30 kickoff. Watford coming to the game 19th, also on 24 points like West Ham. Mm-hmm. Liverpool come in having won the Premier League back about 25 fixtures ago, whatever, on um, 79 points in first. No contest. No contest, no. no it's, contest. It's, I think this is one of the most clear-cut games you'll ever see, truth be told. I don't see Liverpool's you know, unbeaten run ending here. Yeah, absolutely. And for the starting lineups, they're obviously not being... Uh, yeah, 5-3 to kick off. <laughs> Who do you think? Although, in fairness, in fairness for Liverpool, there's you know their team almost does pick itself, yeah. the front three, you know, for me, no. Uh, well, Salah. Wanna, are they going to rest for the Champions League? It's a possibility, especially against uh, Watford. I wouldn't be surprised if Rishi is in there, truth be told. Mm. Um, and as so long as they don't lose, because obviously they 
probably want to go invincible at this point. Yeah. Or no, they want to try. Um, although... I mean, they'd be fine, surely. I don't see them resting too many players because a lot of players, one, will want to play. I think the yeah. Liverpool players have that mentality. And two, you've got a bit of momentum there. If you go and thrash Watford now, you've got great momentum going into that really, really crucial tie against Atletico. Um, so I don't see too many players being rested. But um, I wouldn't be surprised if you get people like Divakarigi coming yeah. in. Liverpool taking on Watford at Vicarage Road in the Premier League. I'm going to go for a 4-1 Liverpool win. Uh, I'm going to say uh, 4-0. OK, then. Uh, actually, no, that's a good point. I've just remembered how good Alisson is. 4-0 Liverpool mm-hmm. win. Yeah, so we didn't exactly sound brilliant in them, did we? Sure, yeah. So obviously that speaks for itself, doesn't it, really? I don't think anyone expected this. Um, I think the comments we made were completely rational, actually, going in for expectations. Yeah, yeah. But what an absolute game this was. Yeah. This was surprising. I, 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 I'm still, I'm still trying to process it in my head. Mm-hmm. I watched most of the entire game and I watched the highlights afterwards and I still can't wrap my head around just how Liverpool played so poorly. Yeah, no, it was a weird one. And at times at the back, they reminded me of uh, City under Pep. In, I think it was like either their first or second season when they had Bravo at the back. And they pass it to death at the back to the point where you endanger yourself. And when you've got that really high press from the opposition, you lose the ball in those really dangerous areas. I think we saw that for the Dini goal. It was it was a bit of a bizarre performance. I mean, Watford could have won 4-0 if Sark yeah. converts that chance for his hat-trick just before he comes off. So, yeah, I think that tells you everything you need to know. Really, really weird game. Um, Watford were clinical um, their press was fantastic their tenacity their energy and absolute drive was brilliant Saar was obviously fantastic yeah. uh, that finish for his second goal was really good yeah I would feel a bit regretful if I didn't repeat Gary Lineker's line off the end of match of the day a Saar is born <laughs> <laughs> it's obviously yeah. for, for the first goal you know it's a, a tap in but he has, to be in, he has to have that awareness and movement to be, to be there uh, the second one was absolutely exquisite chip uh, brilliant. I mean, it's, I think it's great work from Dean. Is it on that touchline side to keep yeah. the ball in? And uh, and the whole Liverpool yeah. team just stopped at that point. That is football 101. That is the most basic mistake I've seen them make in many a yeah. long time. It's no, completely. It was a bit of a weird one. I feel like it's slightly symptomatic of the way Liverpool have been so dominant that I think when you are in that sort of unprecedented position where you are so so good, sometimes mm. you, you sort of. I think that I maybe they've looked. They, they're obviously going to win the league. You've, you've looked at the table and realised, OK, that is the case. You've sort of taken your foot off the gas a little bit and Watford, fighting for their lives, haven't done so and it, they've sort of punished them there, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Let's move on to our next game. Real Madrid 2, Barcelona 0. The first time that Real Madrid have failed to score in a league visit to the Bernabeu since 2006 and it's the first time Real Madrid have beaten Barcelona at home in the Liga since 2014. Um, a very surprising result for us because we all said... Barcelona wins or draw um, last week on Saturday on the show. So, where where did it go so right for Real Madrid? Because Barcelona just looked completely lackadaisical for me in this game. And um, Real Madrid playing very well. I think the interesting thing for me was actually that um, Zidane's man management and his tactical decisions going from the first half into the second were really impressive. Um, he completely changed the game with some of his decisions, especially the idea to bring on Mariano in the closing stages. I think he noticed something there. And um, obviously Mariano comes on first appearance of the season in the league and with his first attempt a few seconds after coming on scores to give um, Real Madrid that insurance score they needed at the end. But 
yeah, surprisingly poor from Barcelona, a side who knew they could go five points clear at the top of La Liga with a win here. And I, I just don't know what to make of it. It was just poor. Yeah, no, a bit of a weird one, I won't lie. Um, especially, I mean, the first goal, I think it deflects off PK and in, does it? Yeah. It's not, it's not a brilliant amount of quality, it, and it, I don't think that, that game had that to a certain To be honest, extent. Vinicius needed that, though, because he was getting a sort of exasperated sort of reaction from the crowd for a lot of that game where he had all this flashy stuff in the middle and then he'd get towards the um, edge of the box no, and he'd just substance. lose it, yeah. yeah. And he, he just sort of needed that in the end, so um, very good for him obviously to get that I don't think it's the El Clasico of old I don't think yeah. I don't think it was that sort of game it was a very cagey game because of two teams coming into it with very poor form knowing how big yeah. this could be for the rest of the year yeah no very much so yeah. uh, I think it was pretty much a, a must win for both sides truth be told and uh, Real Madrid have obviously come out on top and taken their chances when they had to but Barcelona surprised me I think yeah. we, we did say we thought they'd sort of come out and probably would win this game so uh, just the lack of awareness, especially from PK. Actually, I don't think he had a particularly good game. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so N- none of I would struggle to put any mm. of the team in that game above seven out of ten. I think that that it, is if, being generous. If, yeah, yeah, if we assume seven out of ten to be average as well. Mm. Yeah. Um, let's go on to a couple of other games. And Everton won. Manchester United won. VAR, obviously, as much as we don't want to like talk about Stockley Park every single week, but Stockley Park. How would you respond? This was a this was a game. It, it's it's a bit of an odd one for me because obviously Sigurdsson is an offside position, but I did feel like when I was watching that, obviously as a United fan, I was horrified for you know last minute winner for, for Everton. But I don't exactly see why it's been ruled out because he doesn't he moves out of the way. Is he is he actually interfering with De Gea making that save there? I don't think he is. Mm. Um, because the way the ball's travelling, he doesn't actually alter the course of the ball. He's not into his line of sight. It's Maguire who deflects it into the net out of Cavalier's shot. It's I, I can see why it's been given, and it's obviously a big sigh of relief on my part. But it's I do think it's really really harsh, Everton. Yeah, absolutely. And um, also De Gea's error for that first goal. Yeah, is epitomises his season as a whole. Tooth be told, and I think. Dean Henderson watching that game as both England keeper and a Manchester United keeper must be very pleased. Yeah, absolutely. With both Pickford and Hayes errors. Yeah. Another game from the Premier League, Tottenham 2, Wolves 3. Uh, how, how would you rank this result in terms of surprise? Honestly, I'm not surprised at all. Um, just from being very familiar with Wolves' setup, uh, Jimenez has been in fantastic form this season and uh, his goal was sort of just reminiscent of what he's been doing. He's calm, he's clinical, he's a threat both in and sort of outside the box with his movement. He's really conducive to the style of play Wolves want to play. I think this is the perfect game for Wolves. They've always been better on the counter-attack and really clinical when doing it and going away from home to somewhere like the Spurs Stadium and against a Mourinho side that plays this way. Um, I'm not particularly surprised about the result. I think Doc, uh, should I say, uh, Matt Doherty had a really, really good game. His finish uh, for his first goal... Uh, was was really good, quite instinctive. But overall, um, I think Wolves managed the game really well. Obviously, it was some fantastic goals, especially Aurea's goal was really, really good and really good quality there. But just it wasn't a surprise just from the way Wolves play. On the counter, they're tight. They don't make an awful lot of mistakes. And a lot of players turned up, especially I think it was... Was it for the first or second goal, I think, for Wolves? And Adama Traore's absolute strength and power to ride the challenge and uh, play the ball out wide right was brilliant. So, all in all, 
as a group effort, there's not one Wolves performance I could say that was was bad. No one played well. It was consistently sort of eight and nine out of ten across the park. Really, really well deserved. Spurs weren't particularly bad, but Wolves just really did well on the counter. Were compact, organised, didn't make mistakes, and capitalised when they had to. So I was really, really impressed with Nuno's outfit today. Well, yeah, at the weekend. So you can hear all that noise in the background, by the way. Don't know where that's coming from. I think it's from the other studio here at URY where we record these, but nothing much I can do. Let's go um, on to the next game then. West Brom nil, Wigan won. Quite a surprise for me. Um, obviously expecting West Brom to win that one. Wigan just seemed to be able to do it against the top sides. I can't imagine another leading contender from the championship losing at home to Wigan. I mean, it's completely... The idea is laughable. <laughs> yeah, so many people didn't get that joke when it was put up on Twitter by several Leeds accounts. It's so... Oh, you're yeah. on the ball, you lot. But yeah, very um, big surprise here. Just yeah. West Brom never really got to 100% in this game. Wigan played them perfectly. I think their setup was brilliant, very smart. And it was a Wolverhampton-born man, Sam Morsey, getting mm -hmm. the winning goal for Wigan Athletic. Just a few other games to mention then. LAFC won into Mami nil into Mami's first game. Ends in disappointment, but an absolute masterclass of a goal from Carlos Vela. I think yeah. maybe goal of the weekend. Chipping it beautifully over Robles in the into Mami goal. And they kept themselves in it for most of the game. They looked quite strong. So I don't think there's too much disappointment to be taken from this. It was a real baptism yeah. of fire for into Miami um, having to play who I think me and you both said were the favourites for the league yeah, this no, year. Yeah, no, definitely. Uh, we, we did say uh, on the last show that LAFC are probably probably the favourites. Um, I agree. It's not the game you want as your opener. Oh, absolutely but not. But I don't think Inter Miami disgraced themselves either. I think as an opening, and as obviously as a combination of this project that's been going on for a few years from Bex's sort of standpoint, it's it wasn't bad. It was, yeah, it was I think as an opening for this club, it was quite successful. It's just unfortunate from a Miami standpoint that they happen to be playing one of the best, if not the best, sides in the, in the league. Yeah, absolutely. And um, by the way, we were talking about ultras earlier. The LAFC ultras in this game were brilliant. I loved yeah. the atmosphere at um, LAFC's ground. And I watched them as much as I probably watched the games just because mm. I, I, I love it. I, I want to I wanna go there if I was in America. Yeah. For I was going to say, I have been surprised over recent years of how well the MLS has evolved. Oh, yeah, from, from its origins where I think we most people slandered it to say it just wasn't up to scratch. Yeah. They've done so, so well. And I think the, the atmosphere at some of the grounds, especially LA, I think is is really good mm. to the point where it does rival grounds in Europe. Yeah. Well, like I said to you, I think the atmosphere in that game was better than the majority of mm. Premier League stadiums. Yeah. So, and yeah, unbelievable. Aston Villa won Manchester City 2 in the League Cup final. Do you have any views on this? Yeah. Um... I mean, at some points when City scored their second, especially, it looked like, okay, they're going to absolutely run away with this. Uh, fair play to Villa. I think they got out of uh, They sort of got out of that hole and really, really pushed City, especially in the second half. Um, it became quite a close game, actually. I'd say I have not seen City rattled by that for a while, but we have. Um, but Villa, what I'm saying is Villa didn't disgrace themselves. Yes, City probably deserved to win, but um, I think especially, I think that header was tipped onto the post later on. Yeah. Um, which is, you know, a shame from a Villa standpoint. But no, they didn't disgrace themselves. It was quite a good game. 
Two more games to mention. Bournemouth 2, Chelsea 2. Two quick Bournemouth goals, sandwiching two goals from Alonso. Quite an interesting game in the Premier League. Maybe a surprise um, with how Bournemouth have been playing recently. Relegation candidates, of course. And San Jose Earthquakes 2, Toronto FC 2. I only want to mention this just because you absolutely need to watch the final few minutes of this game and the tying free mm -hmm. kick for San Jose because it was... It was just fascinating, and my jaw had just like dropped to the floor yeah. for like two minutes after that final goal oh, went wow. in. It was brilliant. I also want to mention that new club Nashville SC in MLS had over 59,000 people attend their opening MLS game in Nissan Stadium. They lost in the end, and yeah, in Nissan Stadium, very good attendance. Mm -hmm. Before we move on to our next story then, out of interest, the two big goals in MLS this week, we've already mentioned, the goal from Carlos Vela yeah. for LAFC against Inter Miami and Oswaldo Alanis's free kick for the San Jose Earthquakes against Toronto FC in the last minutes. Absolutely look at these two goals if you haven't seen them Absolutely, yet. Absolutely, yeah. But, Josh, which was your favourite? I mean, was the sort of significance of uh, the San Jose goal with being last minute, and he's a quality free kick, you can't be doubted. I, yeah. I ha I'm forced the 95th minute of 93. Yeah, uh, yeah exactly. I, I'm forced to go with Cosfair goal just because one of the sheer audacity to the sheer quality of it. And just when I saw it, you know, um, the build up's brilliant, you know, dribbling out, beating one, two, three players out to that left hand side of the box. And at that point, you're thinking, well, no, just no, yeah. it's it's not going to happen. Or he's just going to rifle into the top bin, short, whatever. But just the, the, the deafness of that chip. Yeah. Major was on the floor for it, frankly, and not yeah. to, not to sort of steal your phrase there, but it's completely true, and it's what you watch sort of football for. And I do think, whilst I like the San Jose goal, the context of it is brilliant. I just think Carlos Fair's goals in a different class. I think the one thing I asked about these two goals is how deliberate is it? And there is probably an argument to make for the San Jose free kick wasn't deliberate. It was meant to be a cross. Because that's mm. what we were all expecting. Like, as I saw him line up for the free kick, because I was watching this game live, who look at me. Mm. Um, I sort of think, well, he's obviously going to try and cross this into his nearest far, big man, yeah, maybe post. cause some problems at the far post, yeah, and he ended up going into the top corner instead. But um, the Carlos Vela goal was definitely 100% yeah, on purpose, and also it was his birthday, so happy birthday happy to birthday him. Happy birthday, Carlos Vela. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. And, um, yeah, unbelievable goal. Shows just how quality is. This was a weird thing for me last year when we were having the Carlos Vela versus Lassan Ibrahimovic debates. Is that mm. Everyone thought of Vibra as the player was in Europe and then obviously he's going to be better. And I was like, no, Vela's ten times yeah. better because he was last year for me. Fight me. Um, <laughs> but yeah. Okay, we're going to move on to our special feature now for this episode, which is future news reports. You might remember this if you listen to the NFL Blitz. I think we did it once or twice. I am going to set up a news report for one of our two correspondents to respond to. They have to tell us what's been going on around that news story. All of these are based in the future. So we'll start with Will. Will, the... NFL season is about to kick off. We're entering week one. And, of course, one of the big stories is Tom Brady stepping out for his first game of the year. For those who haven't been following Brady over the off-season, what's happened? Well, it's been a wild ride. After briefly flirting with a long-term contract with the Las Vegas Raiders, he eventually decided to join the Indianapolis Colts, citing the fact that he wanted to, quote, bring more championships than that Dunce Payton ever did to that city, unquote, in the hopes that they would eventually demolish his statue outside of Lucas Oil Stadium and put a statue of him up instead. Does, does Brady really legitimately hate Manning that much? No, I don't think so. 
I mean, they 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 did an episode of Peyton's Places, and they seem yeah. to have a lot of you know fun yeah. banter with each other. But maybe it is just deeply underneath hiding a combination of asexual lust and hatred. I wasn't expecting you to go there. <laughs> to be honest, I did that in a direction that. Yeah. Do you want my yeah. on the cutting room floor? Yeah. <laughs> Your choice. Fair enough. Your okay. Choice. Very interesting idea. Josh, the Formula One season has just finished its first round in Australia. What is the big news from the Melbourne circuit? Uh, the big news is that I think actually this is more reasonably likely than I would have picked uh, before. But Ferrari, having missed their targets for pre-season testing, I think that's fair to say, have completely collapsed and Racing Point have overtaken them as the main competitor to Mercedes. Racing Point of a main competitor to Mercedes? Yes. Not Red Bull? No. Racing Point? Yes. With the copycat car? Yes. <laughs> okay. So, we'll get on to Racing Point later because there's a feature in News in Brief about Racing Point, but... That's where the unrealistic part comes in. But actually... Mm. Yeah. So, you've... So, so you think? Do you think Ferrari are actually going to really struggle? I don't. Well, I, I think I do think they've missed the targets. I don't think they're going to be as competitive as was predicted earlier in mm. the year. Um, there came a point where I think most commentators were saying, uh, "Look, you know, they've learnt from their mistakes." I know they've been, you know, the car works on applying more downforce, they're quick around corners, but slow on straights. Yeah. Uh, that's certainly been the case in testing. Uh, no, they're not going to flop, but I don't think they will be as competitive as has been predicted uh, earlier in this year. Okay, so do you think Red Bull have a serious chance of at least getting to position two in terms of sort of overall speed and? No, I do think so. And I think at the end of the day, uh, Verstappen is one of the most naturally talented drivers I think there is on the circuit at the moment, um, and I think they can especially be competitive with Ferrari. I mean. It does feel like Mercedes are just going to run away with it again just because mm. the car is so, so good. But, um, yeah, I do think uh, Red Bull got a significant chance. On Racing Point, actually, uh, since, obviously, the the changeover from Force India, the, the financial troubles just aren't there that they did have. Um, the car is, like you said, basically a copy of the uh, the Mercedes one from last season. I think they are, they've got a, a brilliant chance of being the best of the rest. Are they actually going to be right, right up there with the with the big three? No, probably not. But I think it could be a bright season for them. Okay, let's move on to the next one. Will we are in Tokyo? It's the opening day of the Summer Olympic Games. I well, ju I just want you to carry on from oh, that. Okay, it's the opening day of the Summer Olympic Games. Uh, after much consideration, the International Olympic Committee has decided that they will not cancel the games in Tokyo, but instead force all the athletes to com compete in hazmat suits. <laughs> this is be done out of a desire to, quote, protect player safety and act in the best interests of competition overall. How this remains to work for competitions like swimming and uh, synchronized swimming and diving is yet to be seen. Uh, some have theorized that due to the air inside the hazmat suits, those who dive will in fact just float on top of the water and not really being able to, to dive I am looking it. forward to seeing Tom Daly do a triple backflip in a yeah. hazmat yeah. suit. Yeah, gymnastics is also uh, probably going to be... A f I actually don't know what sports are played at the Summer Olympics. I'm just going off of vague Olympic games. Most summer sports. Yeah. 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 Most sports um, that can be theoretically played in the summer. Beach volleyball? Yeah. 
Beach volleyball is predicted to have a sharp rating decrease this year. Yeah. <laughs> for the very same reason. So, obviously, we can't really speculate a lot on what's going to happen with the Tokyo Olympic Games, but is it fair to say that there are strong worries now? I mean, I think there's strong worries for any international event at this mm. point. You know, my beloved Overwatch League, for example, is having to cancel everything that takes place from outside of America, and at this point, it looks like we're only going to see Atlantic Conference teams play this year, you know, um, because it's going to prove increasingly difficult to airlift teams out of South Korea into the U.S., because there might be travel bans coming in the future, and it just seems like, at this point, any international event that requires large gatherings of people is under threat. I mean, France has already banned gatherings of more than 5,000 people over the weekend. Mm. Wow. So, you know. Yeah. It's a worry, definitely. Anyway, we are one month into the MLB regular season and here to give an update on the Houston Astros is Josh Westwood. Wow. Okay. So, the Houston Astros have actually been banned from the MLB <laughs> in, the, in, in their entirety after being... Bob Manford cranking yes. up to 12. <laughs> After being accused of He's exceptionally, yes. <laughs> after being accused of being exceptionally light-handed with their punishments on a the very noticeable and well-renowned worldly, you know, worldwide listened to show, the uh, the Sports Blitz, yes, obviously, and after being accused by the the very well-regarded presenters there on having you know, poor punishment that doesn't really have any ramifications. I'll show you, yes. people at the sports They blitz. have absolutely ramped it up to 12 and removed the franchise from Houston altogether. So, See, so where's, was, that, where's if, that space going? Uh, Hawaii. Mate. Hawaii. <laughs> See, <laughs> where there's obviously great... London demand. franchise. If, if I'd have had to do that, I would have gone with this is... Finally, with this last game, we've seen all Houston batters lose some teeth due to angry fastballs <laughs> pitched at their head by opposing team pitchers. The, 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 um, sorry, the umpire's just going, I'm not going to challenge yeah. them. Have you seen what they're doing? Yeah. <laughs> I'm not taking that to the face. Final one, and we are at the NFL draft. We've just finished from round seven. Everyone is going home while the big stories in the NFL draft will. Well, in a surprise move, the Washington Redskins took quarterback Tua Tagovailoa ahead of the Miami Dolphins. This comes after comments earlier in the year by Ron Rivera saying that they were not confident in Dwayne Haskins being their long-term quarterback prospect. This has allowed Chase Young to fall to the New York Giants, where he ho said he hopes to lead the Giants to another playoff berth and hopefully a Super Bowl victory. You're right there, Josh. No. <laughs> you realize that's an actual probability, yeah, right? No, I was like gonna say. Ron Rivera has said that he's looking at yeah. Tua a lot. It's, it is a bit of a weird one. Oh Obviously, my gosh. I think if you're going to have Tua, you need the O line with him because mm -hmm. of the injury risk and things like that. Is he very naturally gifted? Obviously, yeah. Um, unfortunately, like you say, some of the noises that have been coming out of Washington, it's not the most outlandish thing in the world. I mean, it might just be a case of trying to drum up someone to pay them a king's ransom to get draft capital. Yeah. So it, it might even yeah. be the Dolphins trading some of their other first round picks to vault ahead of. Uh, yeah. Look at the upside Redskins. though for, for him, Dwayne Haskins. It means he has more time to take selfies with fans. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Or uh, you know, do anything at all. Mm. Do you know who the Steelers are, are selecting in the first round? Minka. Uh. <laughs> Hello, How darkness, my old friend. <laughs> because we traded Minka for first oh, round right. pick. Yeah. Which means we technically yeah. spent our first round pick on Minka. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> 
I apologise. This whole last part has gone very horribly for Josh here. Yeah. Okay, let's go on to some weekday watches. Five football matches for you this week because there is nothing else going on. Later today, Chelsea are playing Liverpool in the FA Cup, kicking off at quarter to eight. But if you want to wait a little bit longer, West Brom are playing Newcastle at eight o'clock, both live and free on the BBC, if I remember correctly. Nice. On Wednesday, Bayer Leverkusen are taking on Union Berlin at 5.30 in the DFB Pokal quarterfinal. And then we've got some more FA Cup coming up after that as Leicester take on Birmingham City at 7.45. Birmingham last lost a game on January 1st and that was the um, game after the game against Leeds whilst Leicester are on an abysmal run of form in the Premier League. So it'll be interesting to see how that match plays out. Then on Thursday, Derby taking on Manchester United at 7.45. Mm-hmm. Wayne Rooney playing against his former club. As much as I don't like to over-promote Wayne Rooney because, oh, isn't it fascinating when he's playing at Derby? Oh, how exciting. No, it's not. No, Shut not up. Really. But um, obviously that is the big thing in this game. Will Overwatch. Alrighty, it was a weekend of fun at Overwatch. We saw Houston host their first homestand and finally achieve their first win against a Toronto Defiant team that seemed to just crumble. If you had stocks in Toronto Defiant, I would advise to sell them now. After their close 3-2 match against Philadelphia last week, they lost in a devastating 3-0 match to the Atlanta Reign, who showed up big their first time on stage with a crushing victory over the Toronto Defiant, running an unconventional Torbjorn composition to take the win. Furthermore, they played later that that weekend against the Paris Eternal, who won in a convincing 3-1 fashion in a big upset for that team, showing the power of good coaching with the mixed French-Korean side, finally showing that they are truly a threat and here to stay. Philly continued their win streak going up 5-0 with a 3-0 speed run of the Boston Uprising, showing exactly why they are so feared, while London finished a set of 3-2s against the Florida Mayhem. New York also finally played their Nene Liberal lineup to great effect, and we finally got our shot at Hero Poos. McCree, Widow, Reinhardt, and Moira being banned for next week's play. Okay, let's move on to the news in brief. The Philadelphia Flyers have signed 15-year-old Blake Steigaff to a one-day contract as part of his wish for the Make-A-Wish Foundation. As part of the day, Blake was given a spot in the team's locker room and was allowed to participate in first-team practice and warm-ups before announcing the lineup to the team. Tony Romo has signed a new contract with CBS that will see him net $17 million per year. Romo joined CBS in 2017. MotoGP have announced that the 2020 season opener in Qatar and second race in Thailand will not take place due to fears over the coronavirus. The next scheduled race is at the Circuit of the Americas in April. Lecce supporters have had their temperatures measured before their Serie A game against Atalanta over coronavirus fears. It might have been a good idea to check their temperature after the game as the side lost 7-2 to Atalanta. The Tokyo Marathon took place on Sunday on empty streets with just a few hundred participants. Organizers had reduced the entries to just elite runners and wheelchair athletes with the mass race, which usually attracts around 38,000 runners, cancelled. Ethiopian Bernhau Legese won the men's race for the second year in a row in 2 hours, 4 minutes and 15 seconds, while Israel's Lona Korlima Chemtai Salpeter won the women's race in a course record time of 2 hours, 17 minutes and 45 seconds. Alpha Tauri boss Franz Tobes believes it would be unfair, quote, for Formula One to allow the Australian GP to go ahead if several teams are absent over coronavirus travel restrictions. Portland Trailblazers shooting guard TJ McCollum is taking a break from signing autographs due to the coronavirus. 
Aaron Boone has said that Giancarlo Stanton and Aaron Judge will both be ready for opening day for the New York Yankees, with neither of their injuries being long-term. Stanton and Judge are yet to make appearances in the preseason. Ferrari Sebastian Vettel believes Mercedes look more at ease with its new car than Ferrari. Mercedes have been the fastest in preseason testing, whilst the Scuderia have notably had problems, particularly with their engines. The Cincinnati Bengals plan to franchise tag AJ Green for the upcoming NFL season. Reports suggest that Joe Burrow may have requested this to team management. Mercedes drivers Lewis Hamilton and Valtteri Bottas have both said they are unsure whether DAS will be used in Australia. Dual axis steering was used by Mercedes in pre-season testing, but has been banned from the 2021 season onwards. Tyson Fury's camp have confirmed that Deontay Wilder has activated the rematch clause in his contract, meaning the two will meet up again. The rematch is due to take place in July. Haas driver Kevin Magnussen has said that Netflix's Drive to Survive episode about the American team left the worst stuff out. Patriots head coach Bill Belichick skipped part of the combine to scout Middle Tennessee's defensive end Tyshawn Render in the pouring rain. Render was not invited to the combine, but Belichick wanted to watch him anyway. Mercedes have come out in defence of Sun journalist Ben Hunt after the writer was attacked in the aftermath of the Drive to Survive Season 2's release. In a tweet, Mercedes F1 wrote, quote, Independent media who ask uncomfortable questions are vital to F1. We fully support journalists like Ben Hunt. They hold us all to account whether we like it or not, end quote. British world champion Anthony Joshua will fight Kabrat Pulev at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium on Saturday the 20th of June. Bulgarian Pulev, 38, is the mandatory IBF challenger to take on Joshua, who holds the WBA, IBF and WBO titles. McLaren F1 driver Carlos Sainz believes Racing Point is masking the pace of its controversial pink Mercedes and that it could be among the leading midfield teams this season. And finally, singer Garth Brooks has been attacked online for wearing Barry Sanders' jersey. The jersey of the former Detroit Lions running back was posted online and mistaken with support of Democratic presidential candidate Bernie Sanders. Brooks was performing in Detroit on the night and went to the same college as the Hall of Fame running back. Hello, I promise this phone thing won't become a regular feature, but since we weren't able to cover a lot on the show yesterday due to a fast turnaround and early recording, I decided to cover a few stories that we missed. I'm going to start with pitcher Ken Giles saying he's willing to give back his 2017 Astros World Series ring. This is the first time we've seen anything like this. He pitched for the Astros, um, currently the Toronto Blue Jays, but he pitched for the Astros between 2018 and, no, sorry, 2017 and 2018. In the NFL, the big other trade rumor that's come out today is so the Jaguars want to deal Nick Foles and start Gardner Minshew. It'll be interesting to see where Nick Foles goes after this, but it'll be most likely in a backup role. Keeping on the theme of the Jacksonville Jaguars, Yannick Ngakwe, I think that's how you say his name, I'm honestly not sure, was posting on Twitter about how he does not want to play for the Jacksonville Jaguars anymore, sort of saying his goodbyes to Duval, but the Jaguars, apparently, according to Adam Schefter, will be planning to use the franchise tag on him, which is not going to make him very happy. It's going to be interesting to see how this plays out over the next few days and months, because... Once you've said your goodbyes, you kind of don't want to go back. The organisers of the Six Nations say that Ireland versus Italy is the only postponed fixture this weekend after meetings to address the coronavirus outbreak. So no changes otherwise if you were worrying about that. Daniel Sturridge has been suspended from all football activity until June 17th after the Football Association in Turkey won an appeal over betting breaches. 
The ban increased from two weeks to four months and a fine doubled to £150,000, which is why he's ended his contract with Trabzonspor, which um, broke mid-afternoon yesterday. And F1 organisers insist that the Australian Grand Prix will go ahead despite coronavirus fears. So hopefully we'll still be able to look forward to the race next week. What's interesting to see is if there are any problems surrounding Pirelli tyres and Ferrari, who of course both um, come from northern Italy, which could be heavily affected, obviously northern Italy, a region that is struggling with coronavirus thus far. Anyway, back to the show. Okay, let's move on to On This Day, and Josh, you're starting. Yeah, so uh, 1953, uh, Zico is born in club football. Zico played 334 times, scoring 192 goals. At national team level, he was capped 94 times, scoring 68 times. FIFA ranks him as the seventh best player of the 20th century. 1961, Perry McCarthy is born. McCarthy got his F1 break in 1992 for exactly the wrong team, attempting to drive 10 times to Andrea Moda, even though he never started a single race. McCarthy did start in Le Mans five times and portrayed the stick on the first two seasons of Top Gear. In 1962, Herschel Walker was born. Walker played for the New Jersey Generals in the USFL before joining the Dallas Cowboys. After three and a half highly successful seasons, he was part of a controversial trade with the Minnesota Vikings that would form a Cowboys dynasty. Walker is a two-time pro bowler with over 8,200 rushing yards and over 4,800 receiving yards. Uh, 1968, uh, Jean Beliveau of the Montreal Canadiens becomes second NHL to score 1,000 points. In 1981, the New York Islanders and Edmonton Oilers play to an 8-8 tie. In 1984, Peter Uberoff is elected baseball commissioner. Uberoff's time as commissioner would see the Pittsburgh drug trials with multiple suspensions for cocaine use and will be most remembered for organising collusion between the owners in violation of the league's collective bargaining agreement with the players. Players entering free agency in 1985, 86 and the 87 off-seasons were, with few exceptions, prevented from both signing equitable contracts and joining the teams of their choice. 1985, Bill Shoemaker becomes the first jockey to win $100 million. How does a jockey make $100 million? It's beyond me. Um, 2001, Leeds and Manchester United draw one all in the Premier League, delaying an inevitable coronation for Ferguson's men. Luke Chadwick opens the scoring for Manchester United, with Mark Viduka equalising late on for Leeds. 2007, 10-man Manchester United win at Anfield against Liverpool. John O'Shea scoring in the 91st minute after Paul Scholl sending off five minutes before. You, you seem a bit happy with that. I don't know what you're on about, mate. <laughs> um, it was interesting watching the highlights back of that game because Paul Scholes' red card was ridiculous. Yes, like, it, it was. It was like a kung fu slap or something. And then, and then all the Man United players were super stunned when he got red carded for a kung fu slap. <laughs> I mean, it was it beyond me. I also want to mention that on this day, back in 2004, my sister was born. So as much as you're not listening to this either, unless I'm literally forcing you to hear this part, happy birthday. Uh, hope you enjoy your day. And I look forward to Saturday when we get to have good food. Woo! That's always the best part of having a birthday in the family. Anyway, let's talk about the Lightning Predictions League that we've been doing. Round two's results. Will wins with four points. Woo. Josh finished second on two. Me and Harry both got one. Everyone got a point in the Mayhem versus Excelsior game. Josh and Will got points in Brighton Crystal Palace. And Will was the only one to guess that the Lightning would beat the Flames and the Nuggets would beat the Raptors. Nobody got 
got the El Clasico correct, despite the home team winning, which was quite surprising. In fact, let's put that in context. Yeah. You know. but, well, obviously, we've already talked about it, but yeah. I, I was still surprised, as I said. Mm-hmm. Anyway... Let's go on to this week's Lightning Prediction Leagues. Five games from three different sports. I'm going to start with today's match between Chelsea and Liverpool. Will, you start. After what happened to Liverpool, it's going to be a test to see whether their mental can really recover from that. Mm -hmm. I imagine there's going to be a lot of hate online. Eh, screw it. I'll say Chelsea. What score? I don't know. That's the point. 2-1. 2-1. Uh, this is it's a weird one for me I think uh, Chelsea have been in a little bit of a rut since the Bayern resort they didn't get the what they needed uh, against Bournemouth uh, I agree with Will Liverpool are going to be really out of the blocks for this because they want a, you know revenge for uh, losing that one beating streak in the Premier League I see mm. Liverpool coming out here even away from home and really going at Chelsea because they will be angry and hurt uh, about that result so I'm going to say uh, 3-1 Liverpool yeah and I'm going to join in that prediction as well for the same reasons Liverpool really have to come out and prove themselves yeah. Newcastle versus West Brom I'm going to go Newcastle 2 West Brom 1 I'll match that I think West Brom could do this you know I know they're concentrating on the oh, league absolutely. but um, they've got a, a good squad of players and Newcastle have been something to a, prove as well we yeah. mentioned that they've just lost to Wigan yeah, um, yeah, no, very much so. And uh, I mean, in, you know, with the Newcastle results as well, it's. Hmm, I'm going to say 2 1 West Brom. 2 1 West Brom. Derby versus Manchester United. Will you start? Why would you do this to me? I don't know. I recognise that Manchester United exists, so I'm going to say Manchester United. I Score. didn't even know Derby was a team. Score? Uh, I don't know. 2-1. 2-1. I'm going to go 2-0 Manchester United. Uh, it all, For me, it all depends on the sort of side Ollie's going to to throw out there. I think the FA Cup is really, really big for United. Well, that's exactly why I've gone 2-0 Man United. So, and they're in, I think we're, we're going to play first we're, team. We're playing quite fluid football at the moment, so I'm going to go with uh, 3-0 United. Brilliant. Okay, 76ers at Lakers. Josh? Uh, I'm... Oh, it's just... Who to win by what? Okay, so we're going to go Lakers to win by seven. I'm going to go a bit bold. I'm going to say Lakers to win by ten. I am going to say 76ers win by four. And Bruins at Lightning, I'm going to go Lightning three, Bruins two. Same. Uh, I'll go Lightning uh, four, Bruins two. Exciting. (laughs) Woot. It's like the price is right over here, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Okay, let's go into the two-minute drill, Will. Gary Neville says this could be Man City's best season if they lift a debut Champions League. Is that correct? The 100 points winning team of two years ago is the best team to ever play in English football history. So you're not going to top that with a Champions League. Though it will probably mean more at this point to Manchester City. I agree. I think the Champions League would mean more. I know it's the one they're after. They've been domestically fairly dominant over the last 10 years. Um, In Europe, it's just never happened. I'm not sure why. The fans themselves boo the Champions League anthem. There's always been that sort of discord, I think, between City and Europe. So, yeah, to try and sort of bridge that, I think um, the Champions League would be, you know, a culmination of the project since 2008. But... No, I don't think so. That the the season's been marred by controversy, and uh, you know, obviously the centre back situation. So no, I don't think so. I think it's it would be fantastic, but for different reasons. Yeah, absolutely. The Bears have expected to add a veteran quarterback. Which one? And is this the best move? I mean, obviously Tom Brady. 
Yeah, I mean, obviously he'd be the best one, but I'm honestly, I wouldn't yeah, be surprised. Yeah, but who do you think they are going to sign? Andy Dalton. Andy Dalton. You know what? That's a really good pick, actually. Yeah. The Red Rocket himself. Is that the best move for the Bears? I mean, yeah, at this point, Trubisky isn't looking like it. And maybe if you give him some time on the bench underneath a more experienced quarterback, he could actually learn a lot of the stuff that will make his game better. Because apparently Matt Nagy ain't doing jack right now. Yeah, mm. look, if we can be completely realistic of what the Bears can and can't do, I think it's the best sort of move for them, yeah. 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 Uh, why did Brad Stevens not take his final time out in Boston's 111-110 loss to the Rockets? I have no idea. Now, for the record, I didn't watch this game, but the idea that you don't take a timeout with seconds or fractions of a second left with um, your team down one point is beyond farcical to me. Now, Brad Stevens says he's completely okay with this, and on the grounds that he actually knows more about basketball than I do, I'm going to guess there's some form of reasoning, some context, but the fact that the whole of the NBA world is reacting to this with the level of confusion they are means to me that maybe he just made a mistake, maybe he didn't know that they had a timeout. I, d I don't know, but... It's interesting, and that's the only word I can really use to describe it at the moment. The Colts and Patriots have been named as leading contenders to sign Andy Dalton. Your thoughts? I, th I thought that Derek Carr might be a better fit for the Patriots, truth be told. I um, mean, any quarterback for the Patriots is, at this point who has proven the ability to start in an NFL team would be good for the Patriots, mm -hmm. you know. They're having to deal with the loss of Tom Brady. I think that if they did pick up someone like Andy Dalton, who is more of a game manager type quarterback, he'd slot into their system better. Um, and the Colts obviously are also looking for a quarterback to complete their uh, roster so they can make a serious run for the championship. Sure. But, you know, this is going to be a good offseason for Andy Dalton, probably. Mm -hmm. Reports are linking Nuno Espirito Santo with a move to Atletico Madrid if Diego Simeone moves to Paris Saint-Germain. Is this a good idea? It's This is a weird one for me. Um, I don't really see why Simeone goes to, to, to PSG as things stand, uh, truth be told. And I don't think... I mean, as, as much as Nuno's done a fantastic job at the Wolves and the way that that side has... He's completely captured the club, I think, with his mentality. He's got them playing a style of football which is both attractive and effective, as we've seen against... As we talked about earlier against Spurs. So... It's not a bad move, but I don't think that Nuno fits into Atletico the way Simeone does. So I think it would be vital for Atletico to keep him. And I don't, I don't really see why he moves to PSG. Yeah, for me, there are several questions to ask with um, regards to this move. First of all, do Atletico Madrid want to lose Diego Simeone? No. Two, does Diego Simeone really want to move to PSG or should he want to move to PSG? No. He's the highest paid football manager in the world by a mile and he's never going to get it as comfortable as it is at Atletico Madrid. Sometimes the grass is not greener. Three, is Nuno Espirito as good a manager as Simeone? Is he in that world-class tier? I would still argue no. I don't think he's proven enough yet at Wolves. Undoubtedly, he is a very good manager, but he hasn't proven to me that he's in that elite group. If Mauricio Pochettino is arguably not in that elite group, according to some, Santo definitely isn't. And four, should Nuno want to move? And I don't mm -hmm. see moving as a great choice right now, as alluring as Atletico Madrid will always be. Mm -hmm. And yeah, so I, I just don't see this, this move working from any angle whatsoever. No, I absolutely agree with that, especially the part you're talking about with the, the project. I don't think Nuno will get, from his sort of standpoint, any sort of the level of control at Atletico that he would at Wolves. And it, it just, from a number of reasons, it doesn't really make sense. Yeah, absolutely. 
Anyway, that's the end of today's Sports Blitz. Thanks for listening. My thanks also go to Josh and Will for joining me. The intro and end music for the Sports Blitz was provided by Kevin McLeod at Incompetech.com. Another podcast will be dropping on Saturday at 8am. Until then, I've been Alex Woodward, and don't just have a good week. Like the best play in NFL history, have an immaculate one. Goodbye.